listening to Finding Your Genius Zone with Dirk Nouvelle. It's not just a job. It's not just a paycheck. Or at least it doesn't have to be. With the help of experts across industries, Dirk helps you find your passion and career, as well as exposing the unknown parts of every vocation. Let's go deep. Let's find your genius zone right now. Here's Dirk Nivelle. Hey everybody, this is Dirk. Welcome to the show. Uh, on with me today is Adrian Weaver. Uh, Adrian is, um, you know, I, I got to know Adrian not long ago. Uh, him and I are in the same line of work, different capacities, but Adrian's a guy that I really respect. Uh, you know, he's very good at what he does. Uh, and he also, you know, is very well-rounded in terms of he has interest in other areas. Uh, and I've always enjoyed those conversations. But, you know, from an appraisal standpoint, um, if you're looking at getting into the business, Adrian's one of those guys that I can, I, I'm confident can really educate you on not only the job itself, but the lifestyle behind it. So I'm going to um, ask Adrian, you can step in a little bit and talk to us a little bit about what you do, how long you've been doing it, and uh, anything else you want to throw out there. Sure. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me on. I started, uh, well, I kind of got into appraising a little bit serendipitously and uh, got in near the end of the last boom in 2007. So <laughs> I got in and then uh, not long after things kind of crashed on me and I was left like, oh, what do I do? Uh, rode through, things got picked up. Uh, I took about three to four years, things started picking up and, and it was great. Um, a typical day for me is uh, a lot of research, I spend a lot of time at the computer, a lot of time in solitude uh, and trying to analyze the different markets, what's going on with uh, different neighborhoods, what's impacting different neighborhoods. So, um, there's obviously some influences outside of that that uh, have control. So being here in Washington, we have so many different styles of homes, from split entries to contemporary to moderns, uh, homes with mountain views, water views. Um, you know, we're, it's all over the place. So uh, it, it keeps the job interesting around here. And uh, the nice thing is being able to go out to do the home inspections and, and their home appraisal inspections and meet different people and come across and see people's ideas and, and what they do. And some people work from home, obviously, uh, more recently when the COVID happened, a lot of people were home and, and it was just nice to be able to connect with people. Um, that's one of the, the fun parts of the job, I should say. Uh, yeah. Let me jump in real quick. Cause you're kind of saying some things that are, are perfect for this podcast. Okay. Um, and so I want to address those, but also before I get into those things, those questions, 07, uh, I remember I got in the, the mortgage lending world in 02, experience 07, 08, all of that fun stuff. What yeah. Prior to that, were you in real estate as well or were you doing something totally different? No. So prior to that, I was actually heading down the path of being a financial planner. I had my Series 663 life property casualty license, the whole kit and caboodle, uh, considered being a stockbroker. And um, a buddy of mine, a good friend of mine at the time, he had got into appraising. So while I was working as an inside wholesaler for a local insurance company, 
uh, he went into the appraising world and it was again during the boom time. So he's making money hand over fist and I'm scratching and clawing to make a fifth of what he was making. And so, uh, huh, what am I doing here? And at that time I was in my mid to late twenties. So the financial aspect is a little more appealing than the long-term focus of what my interests. Got it. Can you hear, can you hear me? Okay. I can. Yeah. Okay, cool. You just uh, clicked off for like two seconds, but um, so that's interesting. So when you, when you jumped into the world of appraisals, were you, was your driver income money or did you give it much thought into what it would be like to be an appraiser? It was majorly financially driven. Yes. Um, Because again, A buddy of mine yeah. had. So, can you, hear me? you you cut off again. That's okay. Um, okay. I'm just. It's Sorry okay. I, it's no big deal. I mean, I just wanted to let you know that I couldn't hear you, but I can hear you now. Okay. Yeah, a buddy of mine had been into it, and he was calling me every day. He's on the road. He's inspecting homes, and he's bringing home the bacon. And you know, it made me second guess what I was doing because I did the whole go to school, get your education. Uh, <laughs> figure out what you want to do. And, and the, the, and I thought I had it figured out. Um, but the, he was making $30,000 a month, somewhere about that. And I'm bringing home $3,500 a month. So, uh, to me, it was kind of like, well, let me go try that. And yeah. so that's what kind of brought me over into it. And I did, uh, come to find that it was of interest to me after I delved into it a little bit deeper. So going back to my original um, comment before I ask you about your background prior to, mm-hmm. you know, it's interesting because when you were talking, because it's for me, like I'm a social guy, right? I love, I love interviewing. I'm really curious. I'm kind of, uh, and I'm great. I'm, I'm great with, in social settings. I can talk to anybody, but I'm really kind of a social introvert. Like I really like my time, like, you know, designing homes um, writing music, you know, things where I can kind of lock myself in a room and then, you know, I'll go out and have drinks and dinner with friends, but I I find myself really like good with being by myself. Uh, and when you're talking, I was thinking, okay, this is interesting. The appraisal business. And these are things, by the way, Adrian, that I'm trying to get young adults thinking about. It's not just about the, the money or what you're doing, but I want people to think about things that go with the job. So like when you were talking, you know, I'm, you know there's a lot of data analysis. Uh, there's yeah. a lot of, there's a lot of work where you're by yourself and then a lot of work. Lot of work. Yeah. Research, um, comparables, comps, you know, is this a good comp? Is it not uh, looking at the market trends? And then you get to go out and be social where you get to go meet homeowners and they'll right. let you. Uh, so it's kind of like, best of both worlds i guess have you ever thought like are you a are you a person who who wants a little time me time and then a little social time i mean have you thought about your temperament as it relates to this industry yeah i have uh it does work well for me i am more the social aspect i would say is going to be a smaller part of uh, my enjoyment i i am more that I love to analyze. To me, 
uh, I look at when I'm putting that appraisal together, it, to me, it's kind of like playing chess in a sense, where I'm having to figure out, okay, this home was sold for this price. Why? And so putting this puzzle together in the part of the thinking it through and the comprehension and pulling all together, that's what interests me. That's the part I enjoy. Also can be tough sometimes because sometimes things just do not make sense. And you rack your brain to the step away for a little while. And I find sometimes I'm completely exhausted at the end of the day just from sheer thinking of trying to problem solve. Um, because it, it, it's an important job. A lot of people don't give the credibility to the level of importance. I mean, we're, we're working with someone's home. This is a lot of times people's biggest investment. And of course, they're attached to that. So whatever I put in this report, a lot of people are going to read. And if I miss something or I'm not able to explain it, uh, yeah, I'm going to get a phone call most likely. The social aspect of it, though, of going out, it, it, it's, it's nice to step away from the desk. It's a refresher. Uh, or it's refreshing. Um, get out, especially in the summertime when it's nice and sunny. Here in the Northwest, uh, you know, we get maybe four to five months of that. But during those times, it's great. I love seeing new neighborhoods, going into new homes. Um, people have remodeled. I, I get ideas for myself, of course. And it really helps to kind of get an understanding of what people value. And so you go out and you see these different things. People explain to you uh, what they did, why they did it. And I bring that back. And so over time, you accumulate all these little ideas and things that actually matter to people. So, yes, it's, it is the best of both worlds of being social and uh, uh, spending time alone and, and and noodling on the problem of figuring out the home value, but the, I'm sorry for me. No, it's good. I, this I, is I really good. Enjoy, I enjoy that part. I, I am more of a, a introvert. So it no, was great. this is awesome. I mean, this is giving people an insight into, uh, you know, when you're talking, it's funny. I, I would not like, like, I wouldn't want to be a realtor, commercial real estate guy. I don't like having to get in my car and drive anywhere. Like I, like what I love about mortgage lending is I can lock myself in a room and communicate with my referral partners and my database yeah. and do and do it in my slippers, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. um, and I, I, I don't mind like going and seeing friends or meeting my mom for lunch or going and working out. But like, I wouldn't want my job based on me getting in a car and having to go drive around. And like, you seem to be okay with that. But like, I think those are the things people need to think about is what is your day going to be like? Like, you know, are you mobile? Are you, you know, can you move to Florida and do your job? And like in your world, you probably couldn't, right? You, you have to be licensed in this state and your job is in this geography where you don't have the flexibility to go do your job in Hawaii for half a year. No. Uh, well, yes and no. Sorry. Yeah. So there is some flexibility where you can get a reciprocal license agreement in certain states. Uh, the challenge, of course, is going to be, if you don't know the neighborhood, how are you going to do a proper appraisal? Uh, I know there's uh, one of the top appraisers who teaches here locally. He does also Arizona and I think Montana. Uh, so states that are near and dear to him. Um, Arizona, obviously, a lot of people vacation there. So 
over time you may get to know the different areas. Uh, but for the most part, it is going to be pretty difficult to be able to take it and go, like you said, to Hawaii or to Florida and uh, do the job here. I have to be present to go to the home inspections. Um, although things are starting to change in the industry with now where they have people go out and do the inspections and then they send in the data and we do a desktop appraisal. So something like that does allow me to be somewhere else, do the appraisal, uh, just knowing the market area because I'm born and raised here and you know been in the industry for the last like, 16 years. Uh, so if somebody else goes out and does the appraisal sends it, or does the inspection sends in the information to me, I'm able to analyze for the most part, uh, make my assumptions and things that don't quite make sense and put a report together still. And I can be anywhere in the world and do that. So that's a nice thing with some of the changes, but it's also, um, it also makes things a little more challenging too, because if I didn't personally inspect it myself, did the person who did go out there, did they miss something? Did they take a bad angle? Um, was it, was there a view and it was a cloudy day and they didn't capture that? And I don't know. So those are some of the things that can be challenging, but for the most part, yeah, it, historically no we couldn't go anywhere else nowadays things have changed and we there's some flexibility of being able to yeah be remote. No, that's interesting i didn't even think about that but yeah you might have a little more flexibility in that career than i thought um and by the way uh you know i've been in the mortgage industry real estate lending for a long time and the most important in my opinion the most important part of the process is the collateral which is the home or the condo or whatever it is yeah. more important in income more important in credit um and so you do have a big job right i mean banks are relying yeah. on they're relying yeah. on you to accurately analyze the value of a, of, of a property and therefore they're going to lend based off that value and the emotions i get it when people are selling their homes and think they're <laughs> worth paying. i can only imagine walking into a home and then having you know, the husband and wife or one of them just following you around, telling oh, you yeah. how great their home is. I think that would be a, a, a good reality TV show. Yeah, no, it, it, you hear it all. If they change the light bulb, they change the light switches. <laughs> you, you hear it all. And I just say, oh, OK, great. And <laughs> keep moving. Yeah. Um, and then there's, you know, we can be the good guy or we can be the bad guy as the appraiser. And I've been both. And I've had, uh, I mean, I'm sure a lot of appraisers have had scenarios where you've been to a person's home one time and they didn't like your opinion of the value of their home. Yeah. And then the bank sends you out again a second time and they remember you. <laughs> and uh, so I, I, I've been in that situation before as well. And, you know, like anything, you, you got to be unbiased and neutral understand that what it, understand it, people are going to be emotionally attached to their home i can't take offense to how they feel about the work that i've done as long as i know that uh, i was fair and unbiased and this is my opinion and i can back it up with some data yeah i think uh i i got a couple more questions but i it's funny when i think about how many times a homeowner like the clock behind you you know, yeah. somebody will say, well, what about this clock? You know, and they think the value of the house will go up $15,000. Like my hot tub, you know, or oh, yeah. like my grass is really green and I got beautiful Japanese maple trees. Um, so let's let, talk to me a little bit about what else, like maybe two other things that you haven't talked about that you love 
love about your job? Maybe love strong, um, but really like about your job. I, I enjoy the architecture. I enjoy the neighborhoods. Uh, you know, it's real interesting. When I was out just last week, I was doing an appraisal and, and after I got done, I called my wife up and I said, you know, I don't know what it is about this neighborhood, but it's something feels good about it. Cause I've been in a certain neighborhood. I'll go in and, and the hairs in the back of my neck will stand up and I'm on, on, I'm on edge. I'm looking around. And then there's other ones you, when you go in, it's just that there's a calming feeling. I said, you know, I could live in this neighborhood. There, I don't know what it is or something peaceful. There's, there's an aura. Um, it's also great being able to go in neighborhoods and I see neighbors walking the dogs, chit chatting and just being lively. Uh, so that was what I would say I enjoy, uh, love. Yes, you said, but pretty strong. I also enjoy the aspect of having something new to learn or figure out and uh, getting that aha moment. Like, oh, got it. So a little bit of a challenge, I guess. Can I you give, get bored. Yeah. Can you give me an example, like maybe of like an aha moment in your, I mean, I can't, I'm sure there's plenty, but think, give me something that you uh, like gave you some. Uh, a small example of any person that comes to mind, Mercer Island. Uh, we know the homes of Mercer Island. Well, viewers may not, but you're looking at millions of dollars and, and you have homes along the waterfront. So uh, it can be challenging because you say, well, why is this one selling for so much more than that? And then you start to dig a little deeper and you realize, oh, people are paying more for the sunset than they are the sunrise. So depending on either the east side of the island or the west side of the island could make all the difference, both waterfronts, but People enjoy the sunset more than they do the sunrise. And so, uh, you know, this goes back to years and years ago. And I was racking my brain, like, what am I missing? I don't understand. There's, there's, it was quite a difference, actually. I want to say it was hundreds of thousands, maybe three or $400,000 difference. Same home. Oh, it's okay. Um, yeah, for being on one side of the home versus the other. So that's something that I was like, ah, got it. So then from then on, anytime I was doing waterfronts, I was, be, I was sure to look for that. Camino Island was another example, similar type of thing. You know, that's so interesting you said that. My mom and stepdad, they live on Mercer Island and they have a beautiful property on the lake facing Enatai. And, you know, we go out there a lot in the summer with the kids and Tyson has been out there with hope. And, and I remember it in the summertime that, you know, it, the sun hits the east side and, and it's so hot sometimes. Right. And it's, we have, we have no, um, no, no light or no heat. And then initially I was like, God, oh, that sucks. I'd like to have the heat at night. But then I realized like when it's really hot, I would rather be on this side, you know, of the lake. And, 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 and I don't know if I'd want to live on that side, to be honest. Um, but yeah, so how long do you think it took you to, you know, and by the way, like I'm listening to you and this podcast is about finding your zone of genius. And it doesn't mean you're the genius, like you're the Albert Einstein, the best in the world that's ever done your job, but you are leveraging natural interest years. I can tell like you're naturally interested in neighborhoods. You have an eye for the vibe, the energy, and you like seeing real estate. You like seeing changes. Yeah. Um, 
it, it's, it's, you seem to be in your flow. How, how long did it take? Or I should say, how long do you think it would take somebody to get really good? Like years ago, I remember, I think is Alan Pope is a really, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's a big deal, right? He's, he's a big deal here in Washington. He's kind of the, the who's who originally. Yeah. Um, he got the guy who I take most of my classes from Richard Hager, uh, actually started with, Alan Pope, I think it was in the late seventies, even. Okay, it was a long time ago. So yeah, he's the who's who though around here. Yeah, he's good. Uh, um, but how long do you think it takes? Like, because like I think it, in different industries, people need to pay attention to, you know, success doesn't happen overnight. Like everybody wants to expedite, you know, success, right? And That's true, yes. And I know like in my business, it could take years just to develop a database and understand the business. In the world of appraisals, like how long do you think it would take? If somebody's interested in getting into your world, what would you say the timeline is from start to finish of like being really good and competent? I don't think anything there's gonna be nuances. Uh, if you're born and raised in the area and you kind of have an idea of certain neighborhoods, uh, in the area, then obviously that's going to speed things up. And I would say three to five years to be decent and 10 plus to be good. Uh, okay. And, and, you know, because you're going to have to see the different examples, the different challenges are going to have to come your way that you're going to have to uh, be able to understand. For instance, like the Mercer Island, the east, west of the island was one example. I didn't have that in my first couple of years, uh, you know, as a trainee or when I first started. And so that goes in as one of my things, um, split level homes, right? That's, those are passe now for the most part. Super nice ones out there. And what I found is that families who like to have mother-in-laws, they would typically take the split level, the lower level, and turn it on mother-in-law. So I started to find out Ah, there's an interest for certain types of people who want to keep the family together. And so it's more of a value to them versus a two-story home. Um, then to also, too, with new construction, you're having smaller lots. So whereas in the 90s and early 2000s, you had decent-sized yards, and now you have the poster stamp lots, little slap patio, small yard, and they're selling for more than these homes with big yards. I go, wait a minute. This doesn't make sense. So it's constantly evolving, but then it's starting to understand these chunks of what's happened and where's the impact on the value, what's contributory towards the value here. Uh, you know, we all have our own preference and that's, I guess, trying to understand the preference in some time. I, I am a real estate agent as well. And I also interview agents when I'm in certain neighborhoods. So you kind of know who's the king of what neighborhood or queen of what neighborhood. And, uh, you know, you get in touch with their team and say, hey, I noticed that you guys have this listed for about $50,000 over all the, everything else. What's going on with this? And so you learn a lot from interviewing the agents as well, because they tend yeah. to be long-term uh, pioneers in, in certain, in their specific neighborhoods. They become experts. Yeah, no, this is good. You mentioned something just a little bit ago I want to touch on. You're talking about the timeline to kind of get good. You said, I think even five to 10 years to get really good. So. Yeah. So this is kind of the, 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 I don't want to say the problem, but one of the things I'm trying to expedite is, you know, I had a dad that was, I always bring him up because I think it's a good example. It's like he was hardcore in terms of 
get a job and you know very <laughs> so my definition of success was my dad's right he that voice was in my head you don't love your job son you just you know nobody loves it work that's why it's called work i disagree like i think that you get locked into a career or a job that you don't like it ultimately affects your um performance and your success um so getting in so so what i'm trying to do in this podcast is i understand sometimes you have to have life experience get out there see what you like see what you don't like but i also think there's time uh to identify and and just kind of realize and take note of what you naturally like to do how you like to spend your time you yeah. know and so forth so but you mentioned something about the timeline to get good at your 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 career and so that's the that made me think that's the problem is like whether it's five years or 15 years in medical school or law school or whatever is i've seen too many people invest too much time and resources mm -hmm. to going down the wrong road and then you know in technology a lot of times it's called golden handcuffs where they get the stock yeah. options and then they're like locked in and like crap i can't there's i can't afford to leave so that's the thing is like i'm trying to like ex uh help people not mm -hmm. invest all this time. So let's get into a little bit about what you don't like about your job. Like, and that's okay. You, you don't have to love everything, but what are some of the things that you're like, ah, oh, man, I didn't see this coming. Or, Hey, if you're going to get into this industry, you really need to know these two or three things. Sure. Yeah. So when I got in, uh, I was, it was short-sighted. Again, it was a time in the early uh, housing boom in the early 2000s. And so the only thing that I knew at that time was that my buddy was making a ton of money and I was went to school, did four years and, and kind of went that long path and I was headed a different direction. And so uh, he had got in right away and started making money instantly. I said, what, what am I doing here? Uh, what, the, what I would have done better, wish I would have done better, is have the chance to speak with someone like you're doing right now, which I think is fantastic. Speak to someone who had been in it a little bit longer, say, okay, this looks great. What am I missing here? Because there's always going to be uh, another side of the coin. What's the other side of the coin? Because everything looks shiny and fantastic. Uh, By the way, that should be the name of the podcast. What's on the other side of the shiny <laughs> coin? <laughs> yeah. uh, there's always another side. And so for me, uh, again, I got in right near the tail end of the last, uh, of the 2007, 2008, and all of a sudden I was connected with reality. I got the other side of the coin rather quickly. And it was the impact of the economy, interest rates, and how that impacted things. Because here I had a steady income, left that, went into appraising, started off hot, for a quick minute and it doors, you know, quickly slammed on my face and I was like, oh my God, what am I gonna do now? I had to make the choice of, do I wanna ride this through or do I wanna jump out and go back to what I was doing before? Um, the part I didn't like was not knowing where I was gonna get the business from. Um, the other part, I guess, that is good and bad is the, like all industries, it's constantly evolving. When I first got in, I could go knock on a door and say, hey, this is who I am. Uh, this is what I could do. This is what I cover. This is how much I charge. You know, give me a shot. And, you know, that part of the job sucked. 
But the same token, it also put me in control of my situation. I have to knock on more doors. I have to go meet more people. I have to do what I have to do to get one deal. Before I can knock on three or four doors and I'll get a deal, now I'm knocking on 20. And uh, then the Dodd-Frank. If you can hear me, um, you froze for a second. Hi, Dirk. Yeah, uh, you're back. My power cut out. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah, it's windy out here. My power just froze and everything went off. Oh, no problem. You know what we'll do is I can edit. Uh, I mean, no big deal. Um, but I, I was really enjoying what you're saying. You're talking about like, and it made me think you're talking about knocking on doors. Now you got to knock on more. Are you actually, yeah. are you trying to get business to the consumer or are you going after like banks and mortgage companies to get them on I your list? Yeah, so at that time, back then, uh, before I, you know, I really knew what was involved, I was actually going to mortgage offices. I'd pull up, a, go to Google, pull up a list of mortgage offices, draw out a game plan and drive around and knock on doors, hand out fee, fee schedules uh, and coverage areas and introduce myself. I'd talk to who I could talk to. You know, obviously, you have to get past some gatekeepers sometimes. But uh, it, was, it was, in the beginning, it was a driving game. And then things evolved where I wasn't allowed to do that anymore. And so at that point, it's like, oh, no, well, what am I going to do? So then you're sending out emails and uh, flyers. Uh, luckily, they had stimulated things. They brought interest rates down. Business uh, sparked right up and things went well. And so the uncertainty of what's going to happen from year to year month to month is the part of the job that uh i really don't necessarily enjoy but because there's two sides of every every uh, all tokens or all coins sorry you have to accept that if you want the freedom that comes with it great point actually you know what that's a really good point because i i'm in your same world right like i'm I'm really slow right now and I feel like a loser and uh <laughs> yeah and I'm like you know I'm usually one of the guys that's not slow right and sure. and so like I have no control like my whole database is in the twos and threes on, on their rate and you know it's really stopping them from wanting to purchase because they're going to jump into a, a rate that's double or triple and you know the first time home buyers are different because they're renting and they're trying to just get into the game mm -hmm. but like the refis are dead unless you're getting a divorce or you're pulling cash out for college or whatever but yeah. the i think that's really important that you say is uh you got to understand like do you have control in this career and the truth is you don't i mean you have no. control you have control of how hard you want to work and how many doors you want to knock on but when the fed decides to you know bring rates up to you know seven percent you know, you, in, the, in the year, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you might really be screwed. And, and um, so you have to understand that. And like, for me, I don't like the control. Like, if I could do anything, which I'm going to at the end of this podcast, I'm going to ask you your dream job. I love music. And I love music mm. from movies. And I would love to write music for movies and sit in my office, get creative, have a root yeah. beer, 
have a root beer or a glass of wine or something, write my music and then just give it to someone and then I'm done. Yeah. Um, but um, is there anything else as far as like maybe one more thing, um, you know, maybe it's compensation or how you scale your business because you can't scale it. I mean, you just need to do more deals and you can only do so many deals, but anything else that somebody needs to yeah. understand? No, what I, another part I don't enjoy, uh, I wouldn't say I don't enjoy it, but it's kind of the, it gives you that icky feeling is unfortunately, and this is exposing a, a part of the truth of it. Um, there's different tiers that the banks have for appraisers. And at the lower tier becomes the crab in the buckets type of thing where the appraisers are cutting each other's throats to get the deal. So one appraiser says 500, the one I'll do it for 450, well, I'll do it for 400. Well, I'll get it to you the same day for 300. And it's like we're, we're cutting each other's throats. And, uh, you know, it gets to a point in time. So what, what's your time worth and, and how low are you going to go before <laughs> you might as well go find another profession? Um, so the, you have to be emotionally strong to ride through sometimes when you, you got to stand your ground and say, this is my bottom line. I go, oh, well, great. We'll send it over here then. Okay. You know, um, the value that you're providing as an appraiser, you have to know your worth. And I understand the panic when things get slow because we're coming up through a slow period right now. And you know, I get, I get some crazy, ridiculous offers. I go, no, I, I'm not doing that for that. I mean, gas prices are going up. Food prices are going up. And my prices are coming down. Well, okay, I got to make a living. But at a certain point, I can continue doing what I'm doing when the situation uh, fits my, my required income. But in, in the meantime, I'll, I'll look for something else. I'm, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to sell myself short. Really, really good point. I mean, I, I deal with it too. I, I, I'm doing a deal and all of a sudden they, oh, you know what? Someone told me to go to bankrate.com or, oh, no. and now all of yeah. a sudden, now, you know, I'm dealing with some person who's 22 years old that's willing to make pennies on the dollar just to, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, I get it. I mean, that's tough. You gotta, you gotta stand your ground and, um, what about the real quick? I, I we're kind of winding down here, but the politics of being on banks or mortgage, like I've been, I've had situations in the past where I've had appraisers kicked off a list because yeah. because of whatever a bad appraisal or whatever. Is that in your mind as well on every deal? Like, oh my gosh, I gotta uh, toe the line. Yeah. That was a great question. Uh, yes, as a matter of fact. So. I've been removed from list and actually too, I've actually also had to defend myself against the state. Um, and in both of those, so removed from the list because it was a purchase deal. I didn't agree with the purchase price and there was an agent who had been in the area for a while as tenured and had a good connection with the lender. So I don't know for certain, but it, seems all the, the the dots connect i believe that the agent was upset that i would not agree with them and made a phone call to the lender who made a phone call to the appraisal management company who then re removed me 
from the list and didn't understand why. I did my job. I did it unbiasedly. This is my opinion. And I wasn't going to budge. Even though they asked for a reconsideration of value, I still took a look over it. Still didn't agree. And I've also had a situation where I, I don't do these as much anymore, but appraisal reviews. Uh, and I didn't agree with the original appraisal. I thought it was done very uh, quickly and without much thoughts. And I pointed out my reasons. And because of that, it was another purchase deal, but they sent it to me for the review. And again, I think it was another agent who didn't, wasn't happy, made a phone call. And then I was back and forth with the chief appraiser from their appraisal management company. Uh, I think that they might've been strong-armed into some things. And, uh, I, you know, I, I told them I wasn't budging. And so they didn't, they found all the appraisers, you can find something wrong. If you look deep enough, uh, they dug into my review. They sent it into the state. The state came after me. I, uh, I proved myself. I vindicated myself, proved all everything that I had. Typically for an appraiser, they, most appraisers don't keep a good, um, don't keep good records. And so that's a lot of places, a lot of times they don't get nailed. They say, okay, give me your, your work file. And they're going to find that, oh, you didn't, you said this in the report, but where's it in your work file? Uh, I'm tech savvy enough to keep all my stuff. So I had it like that. Then they go, all right, well, prove this to me. So I have to basically reverse engineer all my work so they can follow it step by step. Kind of like you used, you used to do a math class to go, well, show your work. That's what I have to do. I have to show my work to get to the answer and walk them through it. And once they get it, all right, you're off. But, you know, it's just, why do I have to go through all of that? I am supposed to be doing an unbiased, uh, independent job. And because somebody doesn't agree, they can fuss enough and then take it up the chain to where it could have cost me my career. I could have been suspended. I, anything. I mean, the, the, what could have been, if I wasn't able to defend myself, could have been pretty tragic. I mean, this is how I feed my family. Yeah. Somebody's coming after me for doing the job independently because they don't like what I had to say. Yeah, no, I mean, I think the, the bullshit politics even plays a role in your world, even though it's a very independent gig that you have, right? I mean, yeah. you, and that, that's the thing too, is like, I'm not a political guy. Like I know how to speak and say the right things, yeah. but like, I don't, I worked in technology and big tech and yeah, I realized like, man, this isn't for me. Like, I, I don't, I'm just not a bend the knee kind of guy and I have an, a strong opinion and, Anyway, I think this is really good information. The one thing I want to ask, just kind of getting into, uh, and I've never asked anybody this because I work with appraisers all the time, but yeah. like, like, let's take an average, you know, like I know there's, there's mobile homes, menu, you know, and then there's homes on Lake Washington. I mean, there's a big variety in the home, but let's just say you're, you're dealing with a typical average home, you know, I don't know, value, I, six, 700,000, King County, mm -hmm. whatever. How many, like, how many deals, how many appraisals can you do in a month to where your family's still seeing you and you're not going berserk? Like, <laughs> is that yeah. like two a day, three a day? Yeah, that's about right. Two to three a day tops. Uh, during the busy time, I, I had hired on some folks to take some of the uh, monotony away from things that, you know, 
you don't need me for, you know, I can just have somebody type in the reports and here's the information, do the data entry portion. Uh, but that is about it. You start getting more than that. You are going to be behind the desk quite a bit. Um, the, the irony in it all is as things slow down, each report takes a little bit longer because it's scrutinized more because when I send it off, it goes to a reviewer. They have more time on their hands, so they're checking, checking, checking every single box, making sure yeah. I didn't miss anything. I missed something, they send it back to me. So while things are slower, each report takes longer because of the checklist and having to be more accurate and precise and explain everything. Yep. Things are busy, nobody has time for that, so they're just looking for the main points. Did you cover the main things? Did you uh, show me this, show me that? And the, they check their boxes and they send it on, along. But right now, it's they want to see every T crossed and every I dotted. Okay, so let's just go two a day just for a random number. Yeah. That's 10 a week. Uh, maybe, you know, let's call it 35 to 40 a month. Yes. Is that a good month? That's a really good month. Okay. Uh, right now. Uh, I mean, I've done, during my busiest time, I've done uh, a little over 100. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah like, I, that's I was, a lot. I wasn't sleeping much. I was burning both ends of the candle. And, uh, you know, that that was a sacrifice. And you're going to have mood fluctuations. You're going to be sleep deprived. Uh, you're a little more cranky. And the family doesn't quite like you quite so much. So, uh, while the money is great, there is a balance. I think that's what you're getting at. And yeah. Yeah. I certainly agree. I find more peace, more comfort, more joy, less money and doing the two to three a day. The balance. So, and I'm not asking what you make, but like on average is somebody's doing two a day, let's call it 35, 40 appraisals a month. Is there yeah. like a typical fee? Like are, are you, are appraisals, appraisers making six seven hundred dollars net a deal or a you know i mean i guess on a very complicated lakefront property they might make a lot more but like what would be like an average not for you but just an average appraiser yeah, sure. like 500 600 bucks well, it's changed uh if you asked me this a year ago it would have been a couple hundred dollars more than it is today okay so right right now we're going to probably be looking around uh five hundred dollars okay is that yeah. net? Uh, no. Yes, 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 sir. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just, I'm got my little calculator out. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, you're talking, you know, you know, in an average market, maybe, you know, that's a base salary of 250 um, or more, you know, and then you have the home runs where you might do a big home and make more. Um, I'm just, I want to give the viewers kind of just a feel for, you know, is this a, $80,000 gig, or could it be a, a half a million dollar gig? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, you're going to have the waves and slow times. So I can, I remember specifically my slowest month ever was July of 2011, I want to say, or maybe it was 2009. And I did a total of 12 appraisals that month. That's it. <laughs> Very slow, very boring. Uh, and then my busiest month, like I said, was north of 100. Wow. So the the range as far as income goes, if you're going to average it out, I'm going to say you you can and should be you know north of 80,000. Okay. No, I it's good stuff. I mean, I, I think that people need to really understand not only what they can make, like are they capped? Is there upside? 
uh, but how they make their money and how they scale. Cause yeah. I mean, that's a you, time, like any profession, as you get better and, and you start networking and meeting people who open doors for you and they kind of recognize that, okay, uh, if you have the interest of taking it further beyond the basic homes, you start getting to the more difficult stuff, the competition falls by the wayside. There, there's no competition. When you get into the multi-million dollar homes, uh, just people, they make decent money doing the standard home versus doing the uh, executives for Amazon or Microsoft type homes. Yeah, no, I get it. I mean, same in my world. I do, I do a lot of jumbo loans and I, I found that a lot of the, the people in my industry kind of hover in the, you know, the government loans, the, the conforming, the smaller loans. So when you get to jumbo, some people, people don't even do jumbo loans because it's a different animal. Um, yeah. So we're winding this thing down. There's a couple questions I have, but the last thing about the appraisal world, if you had a piece of pie, would you say 80% of that is in your office doing data analysis, putting together and 20% is out on the road or am exactly. I off? No, okay. you're, you're spot on. Okay. Uh, I really try to limit my time in the field just because for me, it being in the field is just data collection. Yep. And so before I even go out, I do a lot of preliminary research. And then when I'm there, it's more so just making sure what I've concluded before heading out is accurate. And if not, then I'll make the change uh, on the fly. But, okay. uh, you know, I'm looking at sketches of the homes before I even get to the home. I'm looking yep. at the neighborhood aerial view. So I already, when I get there, have a pretty good idea, minus any remodeling or additions the homeowner might, might have made. I'm, okay. I'm pretty close to uh, knowing what I'm going to be walking into. No, this is great. I think anyone that's like, you know, I think um, trying to figure out what you want to do is can be really stressful. And I think for a job yeah. that allows you to have freedom, some creativity, allows you to kind of you know, do your thing. If you're not saying you're an introvert, but maybe you like to kind of, yeah, you know, you have to work and, and kind of take a problem. If you're, if you're a problem solver, yeah. Um, this is probably something that is, uh, for you. Uh, if the social aspect is there, but you're not going to get that fulfilled, uh, you're not, not going to get much of that. You're going to get some of it, but you're not going to get a lot of it. So if someone wants to be a social butterfly, uh, you can send them a real estate agent as well. That's a better route, in my opinion. But if you're a thinker, think tank, and you want to problem solve, then this is something that could fit the bill. I love it. No, this is great information. So one of the things that I, there's two questions I always ask my guests towards the end. And one of the things that's unique about my guest, Adrian, is so Adrian's son and my daughter have been dating for a while. <laughs> And I, you know, I, I love, I love the young man. He's amazing. And, uh, we're really happy. Um, they're a good match. Um, and so I'm going to throw Tyson out there. So let's just say Tyson, you know, whatever happens in his career, let's just say he decides to get into the, you know, maybe he doesn't, I don't know, goes plays football. I don't know what happened, but if he was, if he was coming to you, I'm just trying to kind of give perspective. What kind of advice would you give to somebody that is like, you know, dad or Adrian, I don't know what I want to do. Like, you know, would you, would you just tell them to get out there or would you tell them like, is there any advice you can give to a young adult that's struggling with trying to figure out what the hell they want to do? Um, would you tell them, I mean, there's a lot of advice that my guests give. Yeah. I, I'm curious what yours would be. 
Well, uh, first thing I want to do myself is say, well, pull out your phone. Okay. Open up your YouTube. Let's look at your YouTube history. We're going to see whatever you've been putting your attention on, because where your attention is, is going to be a natural to where you should start going that direction. TikTok, YouTube, these things are dead giveaways. Kids, some people want it just for the entertainment. They like to do things for entertainment. Uh, I know my son in particular, Tyson, if I look at his YouTube, there's going to be things on cars up and down. He loves to do mechanical type things. You know what? Go explore that. Uh, some kids uh, like to play video games. So, okay. What part of the video game is it? Is it the playing? Is it the competition? So, if you're a video game person, and the reason I say that is because I know an interest of mine is coaching. So, perhaps that might be something to look into. Is it the strategy, the thinking? Because I look at coaching as a chess match. I, it, you know, I like the chess aspect of things. So, if, if that's where somebody's strength is, is competition and I want to beat the other team even though they have a better players how can I manage what I have and find the leverages uh, to where I can win um, so in TikTok where do you spend your time I mean TikTok you know it's it's vast and endless and so what because currency is attention in today's day and age what stops you when you're going through TikTok? Where do you stop and watch the entire video? We're on yeah, something. This is awesome. I mean, I've never heard it spoken like that, but like it's sometimes easier than you think. It's like you don't necessarily need to take a personality test or go do a you know Gallup strength, <laughs> even though I love those. Um, but sometimes it's like, what do you do on a Saturday when you have six or seven hours, and then all of a sudden it feels like twenty minutes? Like sometimes yeah. the answer is right in front of your face. Uh, I love that response. And um, I think that's something that, you know, people should pay attention to, like, look around and, and look at what you do, like, when, without anyone telling you what to do. Where do you focus? Where do you spend your time? The other question I'm going to ask um, before we wrap it up is, you know, let's just take, let's just say um, God came down and said, Adrian, you can't ever be an appraiser anymore it's off the mm -hmm. table. You can't do anything with real estate. You just got, you got to go 180 and pick something completely different. What is a, <laughs> what is a dream job of yours? Like what, if you could just like, kind of like go to fantasy land and like, what is this something that you could see yourself just loving? There's well, two part, two things really. And I started hitting that direction before I went off into the real estate world. And I kind of feel like, what you just said, actually, God did come down and say, hey, you're done with real estate for right now with uh, what's been happening in the industry lately. Primary interest is actually day trading. Um, it's been something that's been an interest to me since my 20s, early 20s, even maybe teens, I would say. Um, very challenging. I enjoy the challenge. I enjoy the puzzle of it. Um, and uh, I also like economics. So uh, if, if dream job, just be a day trader. That's similar to appraising where I'm behind a desk and I'm analyzing. So it fits. Uh, I love, I love that because I mean, here's one thing we haven't talked about is, you know, for you guys watching this, like 
you don't have to go all in on one career. Like you can be really good at a career and mm -hmm. it might mean 60% of your time or 50% or whatever. And so like what Adrian's talking about is, and I'm sure you do a little of this, but you know, if you like have a lot of interest, you know, get into a career that's going to give you freedom where you're not having to go to a, an office punching a clock where your boss is like watching, watching you and, you know, <laughs> yes. but you have the freedom to be a day trader if you want. Right. To an extent. Yeah. I mean, there's different aspects. You can be a swing trader, day trader, uh, day traders a little more, you have, to have a little more focused, uh, because it's a little more active, but, uh, certainly a swing trader. Yeah. Cool. No, I, I and, love that. Uh, also coach. Uh, I, I really love coaching, uh, you know, having an athletic son and being a former athlete myself. Um, it's fun to me. I, in, I, I coached Tyson when he was young and again, it's the, the chess match behind the play. Not so much of, to me, it's always, well, the team might have won, but it's me versus that coach. So yeah, that's what I really enjoy. I love, I'm with you, man. I've coached my daughter and my son now Noah's in high school and he's got a different voice in his head, which is actually great. But for me, coaching was always like, I was, I love to get in the heads of these kids and have them like yeah. stop thinking so much and let them leverage like what they're natural. Like, you know, like when kids instinctually do things, you're like, Whoa, where did that come from? Yeah. And like, like I see so many, I see so many kids locked up in their head about worried about making a mistake. And then, you know, in life, it's the same thing as when you kind of go for it and break through your fear. And I, I think good things can happen, but that's kind of, again, what I'm trying to do in this podcast and you were great. I think there's a lot of gold you threw out. Um, a lot of people I think now have a really clear understanding of, of what your career is like. Uh, is there anything before we end this, anything that you feel like you still want to say to that audience or any kind of um, wisdom you want to get out there? Uh, just, just for the, in the far, as far as the appraising goes, you're going to have to be patient. Unfortunately, it's a profession that is somewhat, uh, it has some nepotism in it. Uh, it's really difficult to get in. It, it's, it's, I wish they would change that, but it is a challenge and the profession is aging. Uh, the only thing that I would, would really say is uh, no matter what it is, because we're dealing with computers, obviously AI and technology is evolving and to stay up to date with that because I don't know how that's going to change things, but I'm sure it's going to have an impact. Is it, am I saying it right? Chat GBT4? Uh, GP as in Paul T, as in G Thomas. Yeah. GPT. So I just had a guest yesterday who's big into that and he's in the crypto world and he's doing a lot of cool stuff. You guys actually would get along really well. Um, I would think that technology could really impact your industry and, and not to scare yeah. you, but replace you. I have that uh, concern, yes. I, I mean, I use it sometimes in my own reports. Uh, only for more or less having kind of somebody edit a paragraph and say, I might say something and I'll put it in chat GPT, say, uh, say this in a professional manner and they'll reword some things and throw in a few things, same context, but it writes it for me. I copy it in, put it in the report. I came up with the context, but it wrote it for me. Could, could you say, give me the four best comps for this address? Is it there yet? Or 
Or is that just not, not yet? A, not, not yet. yet, but I do have concern that's coming. Um, and a lot of appraisers are concerned when they, they change the style, Fannie may change how we do reports, and it's for them to collect a big database. Okay. And so, yeah, we don't know what's coming down, you know, in the years to come, especially with AI advancing so rapidly. Um, but this is why it's great to have side hobbies and other things you enjoy. And you asked me if God came down and said, I can't do real estate anymore. Well, I guess uh, I'll head over to the day trading full time and, and fingers crossed on that. Side hustles are good. I think, um, yeah. I think it's good to have, what's the word? Um, just to have other areas of uh, opportunities in case, you know, one gets like right now, like I told you, I'm very slow and, and, you know, this podcast is something I've wanted to do for a long time and it's a lot of fun, but I think having other opportunities to consider um, if you're going to go into an industry that you have little control over in terms of how you make money. And uh, I think it's important to consider that, but thank you, Adrian, again, for um, jumping on. And if things ever got really bad, you could come out and live on the farm with us and I'd, I'll, I'll put you to work. I, I don't mind doing a little bit of work and uh, thanks so much for having me on. It's been uh, great being interviewed by you. We'll see you soon, I hope. Yes, absolutely. Take care. Thanks, Adrian. All right, bye-bye.